Welcome to the Dadpreneur Podcast. I'm your host, Alex Oliveira. And today I have with me Lindsay Lachelle. That just rolls off my tongue, Lindsay Lachelle. <laughs> it, it, it sounds like your parents picked your name, like you're, you're perfect for marketing, which I also <laughs> love the name of your company, Open Lines. Love the what you did with the N and the, and the L there. Totally. Uh, we know we're talking to a marketer here today. And, and you're a marketing activist, Lindsay. Welcome right. to the show. Thank you so much. It's great to be here. Tell us what the marketing activist means so that the audience knows, and then tell us about yourself, how you came to do marketing. Sure. So uh, a, a marketing activist to me, it basically comes down to this. Like I have this hammer, which is I know how to do really great, efficient, empathetic marketing. And so now the whole world looks like nails to me. And so it's, it's just, uh, I want to apply those mm-hmm. benefits to organizations that are trying to make the world a better place. And I use that definition like incredibly loosely, right? So for me, if you are an organization that is trying to solve an important problem for the planet, for your community, right, then I want you to not have to worry about marketing, right? That's like, so that could be a nonprofit. I work with lots of B Corps also, but it also has this other flavor of it to me, which is that if you are a person of color, if you are queer, If you have other um, what we call underrepresented founders, right? If you're an entrepreneur that doesn't look like, oh God, I just saw this thing on LinkedIn. The last five covers of Forbes magazine, it's like, dude, dude, dude. It's just one man after another. These like close-up photos, five months in a row. They didn't even try. And, And by the way, I don't know if all of them are white, but none of them are black. Well, I, 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 I'll, I'll interrupt you here for a second because you just brought brought up a point that I was talking to another marketer the other day in the furniture industry, this huge furniture company. Yeah. They're everywhere. And I said, hey, you know, you guys do great marketing, like the work you do. Um, I have some of your furniture, but um, I just got your brochure. It's big, thick, like, mm-hmm. right? Because, you know, now, like, they're all like the Wayfair ones. They have like the little A, B, C, D, whatever. Right, right. Because uh, it's like room vignettes, right? Mm-hmm. And as so I'm going through the magazine, Lindsay, and I'm going through it, and I'm going through it, and I'm going through it. And like 150 pages later, I can tell you, I saw no one that looked like me <sighs> or like most of the people that are in my community. No, they probably right? all look like me. Um, there's more, <laughs> well, no, there weren't, actually, there, weren't, there weren't that many women. There weren't that many women, which was weird, right? It was, I was like, what? Women are the ones who make the design. Like, why are these guys in the kitchen, like cooking and they look? I mean, are again, they guys in the kitchen? Maybe that's what they're doing. <laughs> probably. Maybe maybe they thought that, uh, that that's what I was looking for. Some high dad energy. <laughs> yeah. But, but I, I just, you know, it's one of those things that I've always remembered, Lindsay, and uh, my seventh grade marketing teacher. And in my middle school, we had marketing. So that was an elective we could take. Wood shop that I took wood shop. I took marketing. And this guy, Mr. Levy, you know, he used to write on the board with those dry erase markers that mm-hmm. at that time was like cutting edge in, right. in the early 90s. <laughs> yeah, the fancy, fancy classrooms had dry erase. Yeah. And he would tell us, you know, bring in like empty packages of, of like brand name stuff, cereal, ice cream, whatever. And then we're going to deconstruct packaging and talk about mm-hmm. the marketing, the messaging. And even then, and we're talking early 90s, he was empathetic mm-hmm. and thoughtful enough to talk mm-hmm. to us. So we, we're in South Florida, okay? Mm-hmm. So everyone's from every country. There's every color. There's, it's a, like, like, like California, most of yeah. California, right? Yeah. 
And he said, look, I'm a white guy. I'm here, but look at this room. Mm-hmm. When you market, you need to keep, you know, have a consideration for mm-hmm. everyone. And it just stuck with me because it was like, wow. And so when you're, when you're talking about this, this empathy and mm-hmm. the, the, the approach to marketing that needs to represent and make everyone feel special, that makes so much sense to me. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So that's, that's really, you know, for me, it's, it's, uh, that thoughtfulness, my, one, one of my, like, um, sort of guiding premises is that money covers a multitude of sins. You have a lot of money, you can run a campaign, you can generate the results that you need, like without breaking a sweat. But if you don't have resources, then empathy and strategy correctly applied can substitute for resources. And so that's sort of like the, the work that I do is finding those organizations that really need and deserve to benefit from excellent marketing, even if they don't have the resources to use. Right. No, and that makes total sense. But before you came into marketing, what were you doing early days? Like, what was your job? I mean, I was all over the map. I was a I was a professional stage manager and house manager. I started my like a backstage career when I was in college. And then I finished, uh, I graduated in the late 90s in the Bay Area. So I uh, immediately went into first wave startups. Um, that was an amazing, I mean, really, really fascinating um, experience. But I, that was the first lesson that I got in sort of privilege because it was just like a bunch of rich people moving rich people's money around, right? And they weren't very smart about it. I, I, I will say like the, the startups that were happening then, I mean, the his, history has taught us already all the things that are wrong with with 1.0 and so um so i got super idealistic i i went back to school i got my teaching credential okay. and i taught fourth and fifth grade uh first in oakland unified and then in west contra costa and there i learned a lot more about privilege uh about mine and others and then i got recruited back into technology i mean it's not it was less difficult to be a teacher then than it is now, but it was still incredibly difficult. And so because I had student loans, um, I did, you know, I didn't have a a committed partner. So I was really sort of just on my own emotionally, on my own financially. And it just sort of, it was too much. So when I got recruited back into technology by a serial entrepreneur, that was an easy yes, right? He was like, I'll teach you everything you need to know. I'll pay you twice what you're making. You can do your job from any internet connection on the planet. Right. And this was like (laughs) 15 years ago, 10, you know, so it was like, that was, it was felt magical. And that was really when my marketing career started in earnest. I didn't know that's what I was doing. The first things I did for him were uh, SEO and AdWords campaign management. And then it sort of escalated from there into everything from like product design Mm -hmm. to agile software management, you know, software development management. And so we, I was in, in this place where I was doing everything from helping him decide what the next business should be to managing and leading the execution of developing that business Mm. all the way, all the way down to the other side of optimizing it, right. A to B tests and measuring and like all this kind of stuff. So it was this incredibly really exciting environment where it was like, you make a well-informed argument in the morning, you can test it that afternoon, you know? And so that was, I did that for, for years and it was super, super fun. Um, and then I learned about the existence of marketing agencies. I didn't know, I had no context for them. I didn't even okay. know they existed. And so I started working in agencies. I worked for um, two small local agencies in San Diego. And I finally got to a point where I was kind of looking around and being like, I think I can do this better. 
(laughs) And it was part of it was that I wanted to be able to pick my clients. I know I am the kind of person who's only going to do my best work for organizations that I really believe in and people I really want to see them be successful. And so a lot of my skills were sort of misapplied because I was just like, this isn't, you know, like when we, I worked for an agency that had um, a lot of Unilever brands as clients. And so it's like, okay, selling Dove shampoo is just not that rewarding for me. Like I, I just don't, you know, wasn't, wasn't a thing. So I always wanted to be purpose-driven as when I decided, you know, when I started my own agency and I was really committed to hiring a team and making it be a, a good place for young people to come and learn and start their careers. And I earned, earned the B Corp certification, which I'm really proud of. Um, and then it all changed just like everybody else in 2020. Um, so we lost about 80% of our monthly recurring revenue from fe- between February and April of 2020. Nobody's signing new. So the the marketing agency, the marketing we were doing was really specifically about um, excellent content marketing. So it was that like grind of like social media, articles, newsletters, optimization, SEO. Right. And then we were like, it was always strategically informed and it was always data driven. And I was really passionate about having it be. I I mean, I just wanted to hold ourselves accountable for being effective. Right. I'd Mm -hmm. seen other marketing agencies just take their clients money, throw up some ads and be like, so long. Thanks for all the fish. You know, that was great. So I wanted to be better. And so I was sort of struggling, relying on the PPP loans, all that kind of stuff to, to keep it going. And I kept having these conversations with entrepreneurs where they would say to me, I don't need you to do the work. I need you to just give me a plan. I've got, I can, I can execute it if you tell me what to do. And I thought, oh, that's really interesting because I had this strategic framework that I had developed for my agency clients, right? That helped us sort of connect the dots between who are you talking to and what are you offering them and where do they spend their time on the internet? So I had this framework and I had developed that framework into, um, at the time it was called the understory uh, cause marketing bootcamp. And the idea was we would get 10 nonprofits in a room, um, eight hours, and it was a real bootcamp. And we went through the entire exercise so that they left with a marketing plan at the end of the day. So I sort of heard heard what they were asking for, took this marketing framework and the bootcamp curriculum and uh, adjusted it into a consulting model. And then I went back to them and I said, how does this sound? And three out of the first five people closed. So I was like, okay, so this is my new business. This is what I'm doing now. Um, so I you know, had the, had the hard talk with the remaining employees had the hard talk with, I fired a bunch of agency clients, the ones that had either stayed with me or the ones that had come back. Um, and since August of 2020, this is all I do is like, I solve marketing so that my clients can solve really important problems. Wow. And it's so brave, you know, as an entrepreneur or for entrepreneurs who've had to, to walk down that path, like you have, it's one thing to make, um, um, a small pivot where you Mm -hmm. might just add, different lines of businesses, whatnot. It's a yeah. completely different thing to say, look, I've, I've got to let go of these clients mm-hmm. and sort of be, it's like you're being reborn. Mm-hmm. The company is like completely new and offering mm-hmm. a completely new line of business and leaving the legacy ones behind. I know because I'm that type of entrepreneur where I'm like, wait a minute, you know, at one point, one of our lines of business had hundreds of clients on a platform that we built licensed and all of this. And I'm like, mm-hmm. 
I, I understand we need to move on team yeah. to, to these new lines of businesses and our new mission, but there's so much revenue here in these legacy clients. Why would we leave them? And of course, you know, you, you just have to come to that moment where you're like, yeah. because we're not passionate about that anymore. That's not mm -hmm. what we do. And yep. then you either sell it in, in this one particular case, we, mm -hmm. we were able to sell it and make sure we took out, uh, care of the clients, but mm -hmm. it is incredibly difficult to do if you still have revenue. Yeah. To say, look, that's not what I'm going to do anymore. Here's yeah. what I'm doing now. And if you'd like to stay with us, this is what we have. Yeah. If not, have a nice life. So, yeah. so brave of you. And that's not something that most marketers do because as you said, it's a, it's, it's a paycheck, it's revenue and you yeah. don't, you don't give that up for nothing. Yeah. No, so the absolutely. fact that you did. Wow. You know, thanks. I, I appreciate that. I, that was a moment where I learned, you know, I've been entrepreneurial adjacent for almost my entire life. My dad uh, was, you know, a, a principal at an engineering company that he founded and I've sort of, you know, I started a, a tutoring business when I was in grad school and like, a, you know, but I, I'd always observed and I, and I still really believe very strongly that like a, a, any organization is limited by its leadership. Right. Yeah. And if you're an entrepreneur and you're leading the company that you founded, then it, then it's personal. And so every day is this balance every day. It's like a tightrope. You're, you're, you have to on one side, hold your commitment, your unwavering clarity that like you're doing the right thing and it's going to be hard. And some days you're going to get bad signals and it, you got to know that you're, what you're doing is real and important. Mm -hmm. And then on the other side, you have to keep an open mind. You have to be able to be flexible when your market, when your audiences, when your employees tell you something needs to change. And so balancing those two things, knowing when you're right and being clear on that, being open to like being wrong, that's the, that's magic, right? That's the, the, to me, like that is the thing that makes people really, really successful in their work. It's, it's hard. You're right. You, you talked, um, Lindsay about, um, empathy. And what I, what I did was, uh, a few years back, maybe this is no, this is like 2018, 19. I started to read more about, um, uh, design thinking and really mm -hmm. like, absorb everything I could about design thinking. The reason why was because I noticed with a lot of clients that we were doing just straight lead gen for that, that was the missing piece, right? Mm -hmm. Which the innovation, the, the, the empathy, all of it. And so design thinking gave us a, a framework that we could, you know, sort of address all those issues where mm -hmm. they're at the bottom of the funnel and there's this high churn rate because they're not, you know, the customer experience is poor and whatnot. Yeah. And, and then I went to a conference in San Diego, actually, and spoke about design thinking and lead generation. And people were just kind of scratching their heads going, what are you talking about? Lead, yeah. Just talk to me about leads. How do I drive massive right. traffic using affiliate? Right. I'm like, no, 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 no. You guys don't need to spend money in marketing or lead gen. And they're all like, this is the dumbest talk. <laughs> and then I walk them through this whole design thinking exercise, prototyping. I created the, the whole um, graphic myself and, mm -hmm. and I was really proud of it, but it's funny because to be honest with you, there was maybe five or six of the 50 people in that workshop mm -hmm. who were like, this is amazing. And I, that's what we need. Mm -hmm. The other 45 or so were like, you didn't give us enough, you know, strategies or tactics about driving massive traffic. And I'm like, right. that's whatever. I mean, that's easy to do. Do you have money? Create 
a lot of content, do a lot of paid ads. Yep. You can drive traffic all day. Yep. But the problem is you people are not converting the traffic you already have because everything about your customer experience sucks because you don't care. That's so what I say. Me. So yeah. to me, when, when Jacob was talking about having you on the show, I'm like, this is perfect because mm-hmm. I can have a lot of marketing experts come on the show and talk mm-hmm. about how to drive traffic and tips and this and that. But what you're talking about really addresses all those things that marketers are usually not talking about. Well, it's so funny because like I, when I work with my clients, you know, we go, we go really, really deep into the audience journey. Right. And I tell them all the time, marketing cannot solve bad product. (laughs) Like bottom line, we all know that that's true. You can, you can, you can like lots of one-time purchasers, whatever, right. Marketing can generate customers but it can't generate fans. And so when we do our buyer's journey, yeah, we do. Like I I have it defined as like the problem stage is when it's passive, right? They're sort of think they need a solution, whatever. And then it goes into the research stage, which is like picking up all the jeans on the rack. And then the planning (laughs) stage, which is when you take them into the dressing room and you figure out which ones fit and which ones go with the sweater and, you know, all that kind of all that kind of stuff. But then solution, which is how well are you meeting their expectations? And like, why don't we think of solution level um, communications as marketing? Because if you do it well, everybody knows the easiest customer to land is somebody who's already bought from you once, right? And the second easiest customer to land is somebody who they recommend. So that's the last step. And so, so it looks like a funnel. We work through it in this like, you know, temporal space, but it's not, it's a flywheel because if you're smart, the bottom of the funnel is always filling up. It's always going back up into yeah, the top of the funnel for sure. and it's bringing and, and it's growing, right? It's like everybody, everybody generates more business because you've had, they've had such a great experience. So I'm a, I'm a huge fan of bottom of the funnel con, uh, optimization. Yeah. I am a huge fan of um, unsubscribes, right? To me, it's like the yes. smaller your audience is, oh. then the more you can be sure that you are telling them that you are speaking like something um, useful, something relevant to them. So yeah, and and I think for all the business owners, because I think you know what you can talk about too is um, for entrepreneurs who aren't marketers and don't have the level of expertise that you have mm-hmm. and the track record that you have. So even if you're an entrepreneur who really has like, if I were to score it on a zero to 10 scale, maybe you're at one as far as marketing knowledge, there are a lot of practical exercises that you can do in frameworks like the one that you have to really upskill up, like take it to the next level. One, one that I often talk about with people, it's so obvious Mm -hmm. is just putting yourself in the customer's shoes. And that's a lot of empathy, but I, I tell people, I, like I saw, I talked to a CEO the other day. He says, look, I want nothing to do with marketing. That's why I have a CMO, blah, blah, blah. I said, listen, but you're a consumer. Mm-hmm. Do you not buy stuff every day? Mm-hmm. I mean, just assess, analyze those customers' journey. Because for me, I do it on a daily. And yesterday I went to BJ's. I don't, do you guys have BJ's out there? Yeah, yeah okay. pizza, beer. So I go to BJ's and um, I'm shopping for food. And it was really early in the morning. So I want to get there early. Nobody's there. I get all my food and I go to the self-checkout because, mm-hmm. you know, sure. who needs people anymore? Right. Uh, so, <laughs> but the, neither here nor there. It is actually a better experience, right? 
in, <laughs> in some cases. So I get done scanning. I get to the last two items. I had um, a, a box of uh, that, that's like uh, vine ripe tomatoes mm-hmm. and a watermelon. Neither of the, the barcodes were working on them. Okay. So it, their little computer system doesn't let you look it up like, mm-hmm. like at Walmart or some of these other places. Because they're a wholesale club, so they want to talk to you. So it says, you know, click the button here to get, you know, a store associate to come. So sure. I click it because there was none around me. And the little red light goes off, right, Lindsay? The light's going off. And I'm like, I'm waiting, you know, I'm just trying to be patient. Okay, yeah. it's early in the morning. Yeah. Maybe only a few of the employees are there, but this is, a you know, 150,000 square foot. Yeah, there has to be somebody around somewhere. And I'm looking and I see the lady at the customer service desk and I'm trying to wave her down because now it's been a few minutes. I'm not kidding. Little yeah. lights going off and the computer keeps saying, blah, 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 blah. we have notified. So I said, and then she said, she kind of came over and she says, oh yeah, I'm, I, I, I can't do that. Even though she had no one with her. I, I, I only work the help, but I'll call. So she calls it in on the intercom. Yeah. And I'm like, Really? took another few minutes. So I probably was there for a good four or five minutes waiting with this watermelon. I just want to yeah. go. Yeah. I, I don't even want it anymore. I don't want it anymore. I've lost my desire for the watermelon yeah. and the, the yeah. tomatoes. And also what you talked about, I'm already like in my head, the subconscious is going, I'm going to tell that story. And that's probably yeah. going to keep people from coming back to VJs. Yeah. I probably won't come back anytime soon. And then she finally came and, you know, she scanned it and whatever. And I'm like, yeah. no, no, sorries, No, no. Sorry for the, the inconvenience. Yeah. I give that example. And of course it happens to all of us on yeah. a weekly basis. Yeah. It's an exercise as a business owner that you are marketed to. What do you like and dislike? And it's so easy to document these things and yeah. say, these are the things that I will not do, whether yeah. it's brick and mortar or online. We yeah. all have these experiences, don't we, Lindsay? Yeah. It, it's such a it's such a weird thing how you call it marketing and people forget that they participate in it every single day, yeah. right? It's like all of a sudden, like you know, how many times have I had to talk talk somebody down from like, oh, we want to send an email newsletter twice a week, and I'm like, what are you for your nonprofit for your like, what's yeah. the Talk me through this because that I, I I need you to explain to me real closely why your people need to hear from you that often. Right? And have you, and, like, have you and have you asked them? Right. Yeah. I mean, this is and so like I had a client I was working with last month. Um, one of their one of their audience they sell um, educational supplies. One of their audiences is like study guides for college kids. Okay. And uh, so we're talking it through, and I'm like, I'm just telling them straight up, like everything you're telling me is that these kids don't check their email, Mm -hmm. that you can't use the, you can't use email to communicate with them about the products or whatever. So let's try SMS. Like we know, like demographically, that's more likely, like it's not a heavier lift from a marketing standpoint, like let's shift. And the CEO just like put his head in his hands. And he was like, Lindsay, I have two college age daughters and they don't check their email. And I cannot explain to you why I have been pushing this email campaign for the last year and a half, because I know better. 
But there's this disconnect that happens when it's your marketing or when it's somebody else's marketing. So true. You forget that people don't read, (laughs) right? You forget how easy it is to not see an offer when it flashes by you in your inbox or in a social media feed or something. And so a lot of my work is really just reminding entrepreneurs about these very simple, very clear, like you consume it too. Is this what you would want? Right. And that exactly, exactly that kind of thinking. Yeah. It's really and do you, and, and in that, are you then addressing some of those topics that you talked about in, in sort of the inequalities that exist? Mm. Um, are you, I guess I, the question should be framed a little bit different. Mm. How are leaders, are they, are leaders accepting that sort of like, Hey, before we build this campaign, let's like look at the diversity and the messaging needs to be, and you need to be empathetic. How are they receiving that, uh, Lindsay? You know, very well. There's so one of the, one of, one of my sort of like foundational points when we start talking about marketing personas, because I, I love marketing personas, obviously, like you have to, you have to know who they are in a vacuum and then understand what their relationship is to your offering really on a very, on a very clear personal level. Sometimes race or gender or something else weighs into that. Sometimes it doesn't. And so I actually spend a lot of time telling people like, I don't think we need to talk about the demographics here. Like unless they change behavior and motivation, it's not relevant. If the behavior motivation is the same, then you got to look at everybody the same and your marketing needs to show everybody the same. Right. Yeah. And so that's really, to me, it's like understanding that we use demographics. Like once, once I started always pointing out that women don't get pregnant, people get pregnant, right? (laughs) There's all kinds of pregnant people that are not women. And we need to be honest Uh, about that and be very careful about how we position our product to the market. Because oh, I know, trust me, you know, people go, Alex, you're a marketer. Why did you call yourself dadpreneur? Do you not know that it's not popular to be gender specific? I said, no, 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 you're not getting it. My show is not just for dads or entrepreneurs. I'm the dadpreneur. I'm not asking for permission from anybody to whether I can have that title. Right. That title is because clearly for people that get it, I'm prioritizing being a dad first, entrepreneur second. If right. you couldn't put the two pieces together, I am sorry. I've surveyed my <laughs> listeners. Most of my right. listeners get it. And by the way, at some episodes, whether it's a, whether I have a guest who's a male or female, like sometimes more than half the listeners are, are females. So I always prove that point that it's not just men who are listening to my, my show. It's anyone who's interested in entrepreneurship and gets that I'm the dad, but neither here nor there. Some people don't right. get the wordplay, but I, I yeah. literally had a guy say like, well, I, I wouldn't be able to take someone serious in business if that's what comes first. I'm like, I wouldn't be able to take somebody serious in life if they put their wow. business ahead of being a parent. Like this guy said this at a conference, like I'm not kidding on stage. Like I said, wow, man. But you know, listen, those people exist, right? Lindsay, who, who are um, just so interested in bottom line and, and, and yeah. growth and acquiring wealth, they could care less about inequality and, you know, you can't. I mean, yeah. And it, I just, if you're going to take yourself that seriously, 
then you're that, yeah. that's right. But to me, that's kind of like, wow, you, you're missing out on a whole lot of fun and interesting things if that's your attitude. But yeah, for you know, sure. But, well, talk, talk to me because you had that experience before the agency days or actually after the agency days, was it that you said you went and worked for that one startup mm -hmm. where you really had the opportunity to build everything and test mm -hmm. and whatnot. I think mm -hmm. it's such a powerful experience for anybody that's getting into marketing mm -hmm. to be able to work on, on a brand, uh, especially a startup so different mm -hmm. than a brand that's recognized and work. That's, oh, yeah. I, I hate to say it, that's a lot less challenging. Basically you throw, different. you throw money at it. That's it. Yeah. yeah. Right. We know, cause there's been great companies that have launched horrible, horrible Super Bowl ads. It doesn't yeah. really matter. They have money yeah. to throw at it. <laughs> Now try to do that with a startup that no one knows your product, your service, or who you are, or why you're doing yeah. what you're doing. So different than working there versus mm -hmm. working at an agency where you're kind of doing everything for every brand. Yeah. Um, so for those solopreneurs, micro businesses, mm -hmm. micro business owners who are listening here, mm -hmm. if they're not a marketer yeah, and, and they're trying to figure out like, what are those like small things that they can do to just move the needle one, two, three percent. Yeah. What, what would those things be? You know, I've got this, I've got this metaphor that I use when I'm when I'm working with my clients, and it always turns on light bulbs. Okay. So, so here's here's the deal. Have you ever been to a Japanese garden? Yes. You know what those are like, right? I do, yeah. They're, they're I love them because they're so I mean, I like architecture in general, but gar the Japanese gardens are so thoughtful, they're yeah. so intentional. Yeah. and beautiful. And what you'll notice as you're walking through is that most of the pathways are wide and flat and geometric, mm -hmm. right? It's poured concrete or it's wood and panels, you know, wooden deck over water yeah. or whatever. Ooh, yeah. And then, and then there are these very specific parts that are stones. They're like rough hewn. They're usually different sizes and different elevations. So you're like going either up a hill or down a hill and they're like really unsteady. And so the, the architect has put those there on purpose to keep your eyes on your feet so that you navigate the path. And then when you get to the end of the path and you can safely look up, there's this like magnificent vista mm -hmm. and it was there in front of you the whole time and you didn't see it. And this is how I want my clients to think about their marketing. Okay. Like they know the path that their that their customers are going to walk in order to find them and they have the the clarity and the empathy to lay out those stepping stones in exactly the places like we are good marketing is service, right? So you are laying out those stepping stones, you are meeting your customers needs long before they they give you any money. And each call to action leads them to the next stepping stone. And if you do that thoughtfully and with patience and understand that everybody has to walk the path that they're going to walk, when they get to the end of the pathway, there it is. It's like you are the easy and obvious choice. You were there the whole time. I love, I love that metaphor. And I never plugged my book in my podcast. <laughs> I so Did I just give you an opening? Uh, no. Well. So you'll understand. I'm not even going to say anything, right? Just, okay. just, just look, read the title, right? If you build it, will they come to Golden Path Excellent. to regenerate success for your business? Yes. What is that? Amaze. Amaze. In the shopping cart. Yep. And that's the metaphor that I've always used, which is a little different than what you just used, but it, it sort of is, to me, it was always that that kept 
clients from having to spend so much more to acquire new clients. Because when you go through that exercise that you talked about, you know, doing the customer journey and the, the persona building and all of that, it, you realize how few companies really understand mm-hmm. their customers yeah. and how lost they are. They're just throwing stuff, throwing yeah. offers every which way. Just buy more, buy more, buy more. And, and it, some companies it lacks are good at creativity. It lacks relevance. Yeah. It's opportunistic all the time. Right? And, and some companies get away with it, I would say, because... Uh, of the amount of money they throw at advertising, right? Mm-hmm. So maybe they're they're not, at, or or they're really good at building communities, right? Like the mm-hmm. the Altas or Sephoras of the world, or yeah. I mean, they already have a product that is in high demand, and then their messaging is just clear, and then they newsletter the hell out of you with offers and direct mail, right. and and so they get away with it because it kind of feels like they are really they really care about their customers, right. but if you dig deep, uh, or a Dollar Shave Club, which obviously was sold, right. and and they're great at creating these cute ads or or be Parker or, you know, companies who've disrupted certain industries. But if you look deep, like, do they really care? Which is the, the, I guess the whole focus of our conversation is Mm -hmm. your approach to marketing, which is very intentional. And I, and I love that. And I think that, that, that you're absolutely right. That is a great solid advice for those solopreneurs, business owners who are like scratching their heads. They don't have the budget. Where do I start? You, You start by, sort of building your own garden. Think it, Yeah, just think it through. Understand if you are going to bother with Facebook, understand why very clearly, what role does this play in my marketing? Because if you're small, if you're small or new, you don't have time to waste, right? I don't want you to spend time on anything, right. anything that doesn't have a clear connection to where you're going. So think but, but about it, the stepping stones, right? Facebook is a stepping stone to get them to, they're going to find you on Facebook. If you show up in the right way there, then they're going to use Google search to go learn more about your organization. Then they're going to find your website. Then they're going to use the contact form, like whatever those stair steps are, or those stepping stones are, think it through on that level, that explicitly. And then don't spend two seconds on anything that doesn't contribute to that pathway. I am so glad that you mentioned Facebook and Google, right? Because they're the oh, two largest, right? They make up like started. 65%. <laughs> why? Why? Because I, what I tell clients who just want to throw money there, uh, I'm like, no, no, there's a place for it. No problem, you know? Mm-hmm. But here's the deal. Like, I mean, if you think of even a, um, a campaign type that is a complete and utter waste of money, like boosting posts, right. um, why is it there, right? Why do they give you tools that only a professional should use it's like giving a car to a kid who's never driven and you're like, go, go for it. Here you go. Right. But they don't, they listen, if you're willing to put your billing payment here, we'll walk you through the rest because it's a self-serve platform, even though it shouldn't be self-serve because you wouldn't, you, you wouldn't do that in real life, whether it's a, you know, my, my, my 12 year old in the kitchen with knives, I wouldn't be like, here's the knives. Right. Good right. luck. Cook something. No, probably going to chop your finger off. Right. And, and Google and Facebook, if you look at the different types of objectives and the language that they use, the definitions, you realize very quickly that it's it's designed really just to suck you dry. It's like a casino, right? Because first of all, it's developed by not marketers. Not, right. It's developed by engineers who don't really think like marketers to begin yeah. with. And if you're a marketer who've used these tools, let's be honest. 
There's so much that is useless. <laughs> They're so bad. Built, built to be more confusing. Yep. And and um, and at the end of the day, it's I get it because it's volume, billions of dollars spent every minute on an auction that is managed by AI that the people themselves don't understand. And yep. the answer to every challenge is increase your budget. Yeah. 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 Exactly. And like how how many times. Have you said to a client, uh, oh, we want to try this kind of campaign? And they say, oh, do you know, we tried that already with the in-house team and it didn't work. That's right. That's right. <laughs> and it's like, are, is your in-house team an expert in this thing? Is that, that's do they right. have lots of experience with it? Because that's not, yeah, <laughs> like try to paint the Mona Lisa. That's not going to work either. Like you gotta, you gotta like know where your, where your opportunities are. And so one of my favorite things I'm doing it a lot right now, I'm about to actually, I'm, um, need to write the document or need to write the lead magnet that has all this good stuff in it. But the, um, one of the things I'm doing with my clients right now is coaching them through putting their social media channels on ice. Oh, I love that. Which is like, how can we make Instagram still do the thing it needs to do for your business without investing so much time in stories and posts and all this kind of stuff that really doesn't generate anything meaningful for your business. I, so I, 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 I agree I'm really you. excited about this. I agree. Well, people ask me like, how come you don't, you know, so if you're a marketer, then how come you're not like, you don't have like millions of followers and likes. And I'm like, look, first of all, uh, of the, the, the multi-million dollar businesses that I've built in the last, you know, 12 years in this space, I, I couldn't even tell you if not even 1% came from those channels, right? I'll leave that to the influencers who do that full-time. Like they depend on selling stuff all day. Right. Good for them. I'm right. not, I have friends who are fantastic, but that's right. not what I do. So why would I spend my time trying to be a thought leader posting 18 times a day on LinkedIn begging for, you know, some, some crazy metrics that mean nothing. Yeah. And even when I'll tell you, listen, I've opened it up to my listeners in our community here, Lindsay, I tried this huge influencer, right? This guy who's got me millions of followers, legit. And we did an influencer campaign for that printer show uh, probably about two years ago. Mm -hmm. And every post that we put out would get honestly, tens and thousands of, 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 you know, engaged um, sure. followers. So they sure. start following, they do that. But when you, when you track and try to follow that money, like did those actually turn into listeners or into any, anything else for our company, our business? No, it just flat out. It didn't. And we did it solid. Like, you know, as a marketer, we're like, listen, yeah. we're going to commit. We're going to test it. We're going to test it for a year. Solid. We're going to stay on it. We're going to create good content. And it didn't. So I tell people like, listen, it depends if you're selling a, a lifestyle brand or, you know, cosmetics or something, fitness, something that like requires you to be there. Right. But the, the reality is you and I know that most of these, I was just reading a report about influencer marketing and the, the whole creator movement and all of that mm -hmm. and how it really works for the big brands because people already know the big brands. So like, mm -hmm. I think PNG actually has like 90,000 plus influencers mm -hmm. on any given day. It's like 300,000 interactions just from the influencers yeah, because they have the budget to have that army, right? You're a small business owner. You're trying to, hello, I'm here in that yeah. noise. 
not going to happen. So I love what you're talking about, yeah. how you put it on ice and move on, go talk to your customers and build your business yeah. instead of working in this, it's not freeland, rented space. Right. Yeah. That isn't doing That's anything the other thing. And this just, maybe this has to do with like the way that I came up on the internet, right? The way, you know, however, like just the, the time and place where, where I grew up, I want to own my content. Yeah. I am so skeptical of these platforms. Me like, too. and I watched part of this is also because I have been in marketing so long, but like I watched Facebook do this thing where they're like, right now you own your audiences, but you should, you should bring them here. You should build your audience on our platform. And all of the clients, you know, all the agency clients we work with at the time were like, yeah, let's spend a bunch of money and build our audience on this platform. And then as soon as they did that, Facebook was like, cool. Now you can pay us to put your content in front That's of those crazy. audiences that you paid it was us the biggest. No, I agree with you. I mean, they were, I just listened to a, a podcast episode. I think the journal about Sheryl Sandberg leaving and how, you know, she, really spearheaded the paid ads back in 2010, 9, 10, and really started that wave of trying to figure out how to monetize. But if you look at it, like Facebook version 1.0 prior to 2010 or nine was users give us a ton of content. You yep. guys create the content. Yep. Version 2.0 was exactly what you said. Hey, 60 million business pages. You feed us all your website right. traffic and yep. your lists. Yep. And then now, hey, everybody, you, you, you just become products for us, both the businesses and the consumers. I so agree with you. And they talked about that in the podcast episode that her legacy mm -hmm. is tainted because yeah. obviously everything came crashing down even further since yeah. Apple's updates last year and the year before yeah. because of privacy and whatnot. And so yeah. look, they're trying, they're trying really hard to figure out what version 3.0 is. But I think that that boat sailed. I mean, for me, yeah. I don't have to spend a dollar on anything Facebook or Google, which yeah. we have to, we get it. It's integrated yeah. marketing. Let's not kid yeah. ourselves. But if I can find better ways to help clients grow with the, the own media that you're talking about, Lindsay, yeah. that's where it's at. Yeah. I agree with well, you. Yeah. I mean, most of my clients don't have ad budgets at all. Yeah. So it's, you know, I have a few clients that have like a few thousand dollars and that's about a month right. and that's about it. So for me, it's easy. It's like, let's talk about how we can craft your page, your Instagram, like my, like the open lines, Instagram, it's nine squares. It tells you to go find me on LinkedIn, literally, <laughs> because that's, I want to be respectful. If someone in my audience goes looking sure. for me there, I want to meet them there. And then I want to move them gone and let them know where they're going to actually get the good stuff. And so that's the, that's the thing I've been coaching through a lot of my clients through and they I find a lot of value in it. I love it. I mean, everything that you've talked about here today with, with, with me and our listeners will hear is truly, I think you're, it's activists, you know, mm -hmm. this activism you're talking about, I think encompasses so many different ways, but I think the, the big one is really focusing on your customer, having that empathy and, and then really owning that customer journey and experience. That's, yeah. really solid, solid advice. I, I love the analogy of the garden that you gave as well. I mean, that's a really hardcore, great advice. Me, you and I sound like disgruntled, like marketers. Here. I know, <laughs> but it's true. It's just because it's, um, you know, it's not popular to, to not um, hang your advice on the 12 trends in 2022. Right. Yeah, exactly. It's like yeah. ridiculous. Go create more video. Uh, no, 
stop wasting your time with youtube is another one you know i mean content island youtube is a content island that's a terrible idea anyway yeah talk about it all day but listen it's been great having you on the show what what would you like to leave us with um we'll give you this moment of the call to action because our listeners know about the call to action where they're going to find some good free stuff and get to know you but then also just leave us with some good advice yeah so um uh, the website is at open-lines.co. I am really excited to be launching a new program uh, in the fall. So right now I'm accepting applications. There's only six spots. Okay. We're doing a small group um, marketing strategy instead of, so it's, it's again, I'm, you know, true, true to the ethos of, of open lines. I'm just trying to make everything more accessible. Okay. So it's a smaller group, so it's cheaper. So uh, I want to, you know, send everybody to openlines.co and um, you sign up for the newsletter so you can get updates about that. And then LinkedIn is really, that's where the action is. I have a lot of strong opinions, as you guys know, because you've all been listening and uh, they all come out on LinkedIn. So awesome. <laughs> No, awesome. It's been great having you here. And I'm I'm sure we'll have you back again when you have that program going. And then we can talk through that. But I really enjoyed having this conversation with you, Lindsay. Awesome. Thanks. You too, Alex.